If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 19th, 2011. And today we're going to be just continuing with the study that we had started last week regarding hidden Luciferians in, I guess you'd say, the Christian culture. Within Christian music, we're emphasizing a lot of that. Uh, ministers, we're going to be getting into that as well. But this is a there's a lot to this study, and as I go along... Uh, I keep adding more to it, more Bible verses, uh, things that kind of, I believe the Holy Spirit's prompting me about, uh, research I've done in the past, and I just add that in, so it's getting longer and longer uh, as we go, uh, but it's kind of bolstering the actual backbone of the study that we're, that we're doing here. So, uh, we're going to continue where we left off last week regarding Michael W. Smith, and... Uh, Oh, one other thing too, um, the uh, the newsletter now, which is automated, which you can sign up for on the right side of contendingfortruth.com, um, you can sign up for the health and the, and the uh, Christian, I would highly advise you to do both because they're both pertinent in today's day and age regarding the subjects that we get into, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in America, a lot of stuff going on with this Missouri flood and the potential for uh, nuclear plants to literally be flooded out, um, one in particular. And um, at the top of the last email that I put out, there was a a, uh, video, actually several different uh, links and videos that you could view regarding that uh, subject and a whole lot more. So it is very good to be on the newsletter list because uh, I can't cover everything. There's just no way to, to cover it all anymore. Uh, regarding the current events, they're breaking so quickly that unless I had like a nightly news station or something, you, you, you really can't get to them all. So I'm trying to cover a lot of that in my newsletters now regarding some of the real breaking current events. And um, uh, like for now, I'd like to kind of concentrate on these studies that I've, I've been wanting to do for quite a while, and leave more of the current events, the breaking current events that I really couldn't cover because they're coming so quick uh, to the newsletters. So, um, but that could change this week. <laughs> there might be a whole bunch of things that develop that I have to do a study on. So anyway, I just want to kind of give you a, a little update there. Uh, continuing with the study from last week regarding Michael W. Smith, um, this particular article we're reading from, if you're rather inclined to look for some kind of out, some kind of out or some kind of down-to-earth explanation that would clear things up for Michael W. Smith regarding all the things that we covered last week, and we're going to get further into that this week. So it certainly doesn't help things out to realize that he openly and enthusiastically acknowledged, apparently without his fans understanding the ominous significance, having patterned himself in the past after the Alan Parsons project. In other words, he's endorsed and um, advocated the Alan Parsons project, which is a rock band, I believe from like the the 80s. Uh, Particularly in this context that we have already seen here, this would seem to be further grounds for concern regarding some of the occult orientation on Smith's part. The Alan Parsons Project is a pointedly occultic rock group which has routinely displayed satanic symbolism on its cover art. 
Smith made his supportive remarks about them in an interview with Inside Music magazine in their January-February 1991 issue, page 23. So what we're trying to do is give you a lot of you know, documentation. Um, now, in the PDF, which obviously I can't relay this to you in an audio, but I am posting the PDF like I I will every week. This is probably going... I'm going to try to get through 30 pages today. I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but there's a lot of pictures, so probably be a little quicker than I think. But um, there's a picture here on the PDF, and they're always available at contendingfortruth.com with each particular study, and this would be the one with the June 19th, 2011, if you're hearing this. Below is the cover of the Alan Parsons Project album, entitled Eye in the Sky. And it has a depiction of the Egyptian satanic eye of Ra. A lot of eye doctors, I, I notice, use this as well in their in their uh, offices. The eye is something that is very highly occultically significant. I mean, you have the all-knowing eye of Lucifer or Horus on the top of the uncapped pyramid on the back of our dollar bill. Um, you know, it's that whole... Thing Lucifer, you know, that watching you, and, and, and you know, then there's connotations of Big Brother, and and there, there's all these occult connotations with the uh, all-knowing eye type of thing. And so I'm looking at the cover of this Alan Parsons project. It's Eye in the Sky, and I don't know if you remember their song that one about Eye in the Sky. They actually, that was like their main song in the album. Um, and then they've got another album, which is entitled another album cover I'm looking at, which is entitled The Alan Parsons Project, Lucifer. And, I mean, then there's just one guy in the album cover looking at you, and I guess maybe he's depicting himself as Lucifer. Um, pretty satanic stuff. But, again, if you remember their music, it was pretty, I would have to say, kind of like light rock. It wasn't hard rock, from what I can remember. I mean, that Eye in the Sky song was like a real mellow, mild... A lot of times people get deceived into thinking, well, it's light rock. It's it's okay, because, no, actually, um, you know, there's so much occult significance, it really doesn't matter if it's hard or light. They, they can still be just as satanic um, in as far as occult significance goes. And I think that's a big way that uh, people have been deceived you know, like pop and light rock and, you know, th- that type of thing, people tend to think, well, that, that that can't be satanic. It's not like heavy metal, hard rock, death metal, that type of stuff. And it's really not the case. Actually, it's been more of a uh, subtle deceptive tool of the devil. I, I would imagine he's ensnared far more people with the pop music and with light rock music than he has ever ensnared people with something like Iron Maiden or Ozzy Osbourne or or uh, Metallica or death metal or whatever that you could potentially be into. Uh, less people uh, are going to be into that style of music, uh, whereas this appeals more to the masses. It's more palatable. So just something I wanted to throw in there. And again, I give you all the pictures of the album covers on here. And uh, that was from the main source article that we're using. Now, in his, uh, he even had an album, Michael W. Smith, and he named it the Michael W. Smith Project, like the Alan Parsons Project. I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, unless you were trying to emulate somebody. I mean, the Michael W. Smith Project. 
mean, what does he have some like tinker toys or something like that he's making a project with? No, he's actually trying to emulate the Alan Parsons project because, as we said, he's he uh, has um, viewed them with very favorable remarks in the interview that we referenced. And I'm looking, I give you a picture of this uh, album cover. Uh, Michael W. Smith Project. It's right there in big bold letters. Smith, therefore, likewise, has a CD cover where it seems very clear that he is indicating this eye of Horus or Ra, this all-knowing eye of Lucifer. Okay, He's got an album cover um, with that on it as well. Uh, in order to better understand this, we first need to take a, a closer look at the eye of Ra. So we're going to get back to this album cover once we kind of do a mini-study here on this all-knowing... It's not all-knowing. Only Jesus Christ, only the Lord Jesus Christ, only Father God is all-knowing. Omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful. You know, Satan desires to be that, but he's never going to be that. He can only be in one place at one time. And he's got a lot of devils and demons and fallen angels to do his bidding so that they can appear to know what's going on on a real-time basis. But the reality is, is he can't be everywhere at once. He'd like to be. He fancies himself to be, but he never will be, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, Smith, therefore, likewise, has a CD cover where it seems very clear that he is indicating the Eye of Ra. We need to take a closer look now at the Eye of Ra, or the all-seen eye, occult symbol. In the modern era, the eye has been adopted as a Luciferian Masonic symbol and is used by a huge array of occultists and occult groups. I mean, this is just rampant. There's, I mean, you could do probably a 20-part study on all the uses of this all-seeing eye symbology that you see constantly in these um, clips of music videos I, I get sent to me, like Lady Gaga or Lady Gagme, um, and um, uh, all of these rappers and then all of these... Uh, movie stars and people like that and they're doing all this stuff where you only see one eye and, and, and this and that and they're doing it on purpose and um, it's not just coincidence there's no way that it could happen as frequently as it does for it to just be coincidence it's done on purpose it's uh, indicating um, this all-knowing, all-seeing eye the most famous depiction of the all-seeing eye is on the US $1 bill where we see the, the eye placed inside the triangle which is yet another occult symbol, or you could call it another pyramid on top of a pyramid. Uh, here are some examples of the Luciferian eye of Horus symbol, um, top to bottom. And again, I'm, I'm, I give you, we give you all the pictures here. Uh, one is the the uh, back of the one dollar bill. You have this eye in within a triangle um, coming down on the unfinished capstone pyramid, and the reason that it's not joined on the $1 bill is because Satan's kingdom isn't yet here. Okay, I really believe within what, what he would view as the seven-year tribulation when the Antichrist is going to have um, rule on the earth, that would be when we would actually see, in I guess Satan's eyes, this this capstone being finished. I would imagine in, in his warped mind. Now, there's also words around the uh, unfinished pyramid on the back of the one dollar bill: An- Anut Coeptus Novus Order Ordo Secorum. Now, I looked those words up before, 
And as far as I could see, what those words translated were, were announcing, which is a nut, coeptus, conception, announcing the birth, novus order secorum, of the new world order. Okay, now other people say it's new, new order of the ages, things of this nature. When I actually looked those words up, it was announcing the birth of the new world order, essentially. You know, there's some room for variation there. Okay, but that's what it's saying, essentially. You know, the pyramid itself has 13 levels, 13 being the number of rebellion. It has 1776 in Roman numerals at the base of it, which people think, oh, it's the year the Declaration of Independence was signed. Yes, true, but it was also the year the Illuminati was formed by Adam Weishaupt. In 1776, on Beltane, May 1st, 1776. That's why that number's there. Not because the Declaration of Independence was signed there. That was when the birth of the New World Order was. Think about it. Why would they have a number there and say it was when the Declaration of Independence was signed? I mean, now it was all well and good, but was that the birth of the New World Order? No. It was in a, when Adam Weishaupt and, and these uh, Illuministic occultists came together and hatched this... New World Order plan announcing the birth of the New World Order in 1776. Where Lucifer, or Horus, or Ra, or whatever you want to call him, will eventually rule and reign. And the pyramid being an occultic symbol, and then the all-knowing eye of Lucifer uh, in the triangle coming down over the unfinished capstone. I mean, how occultic can you get? Uh, there's also a lot of different things you can do with this symbol <laughs> that I'm not even getting into. A lot of other hidden coded things in there that I just don't have time to get into today. But uh, suffice it to say, the dollar bill is is loaded with occult symbology. I mean, just packed, chalked full of it. Um, the other picture they show here is a picture, picture called Aeon Flux. The future is in flux. It looks like a movie, and it's got a an uh, eye in the uh, in the pyramid there. Uh, it's a motion picture. And then there's a um, the Eye of Ra. Um, Anyway, it's it's just it's just a symbol. It's a picture of the eye of Ra, the occultic symbol. So you have a little bit of idea of what's going on here. Now, um, before we get actually back to this album cover, we're going to segue. We're going to do a little bit more of, of a hard look at this um, eye of Ra, and then we're going to come way back to this Michael W. Smith album cover. So kind of bear with me. Personally, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have wrote this article this way where I'm, I'm kind of veering off course and then coming way back, but it's kind of the way he had written this, and um, I added things in, which kind of even made it more. So just kind of bear with us. We will get back to it, and we are going to be covering this Eye of Ra, Eye of Horus, Eye of Lucifer today in depth. Now, the next part of this is David Jeremiah and his all-seeing eye. And this is another article that I found. Um, David Jeremiah and his all-seeing eye casting a spell on you, the question is this, why does J- Jeremiah, David Jeremiah, the, you know, the, the pastor, the famous uh, pastor, have an occult image of an all-seeing eye mosaic as the dominating feature in the Shadow Mountain Church sanctuary? I mean, this is a big, this is one of these big, big, I, I mean, I've heard him on radio, I know, and I, I assume he's on TV, but I don't, we don't watch, we don't have like a TV or cable or anything like that, so, but... 
he has as his dominating feature of Shadow Mountain, and I give you all kind of pictures here to prove it, of his Shadow Mountain Church Sanctuary and all seen eye in the mosaic in the background. If you have seen the broadcast, you may may or may not have noticed this. The people in the church are apparently completely unaware of the significance of this fact that he is preaching virtually from underneath an occultic all-seeing eye. And that they are literally being made to worship before an image, an idol, an abomination, standing where it ought not. Something is very wrong with this picture. First, what about this ubiquitous all-seeing eye? In the dark magic of the occult, symbols are always used to represent spiritual things. The occult practitioners believe that symbols have power and that they use them for this reason. Again, the intent is not to delve into a comprehensive study of symbols, but to bring out the simple fact that those who use symbols are doing so for a reason. Here are a few quotes from some of these practitioners themselves. Okay, this first quote is from Manly P. Hall, The Secret Teachings of the Ages, page 20. I mean, Manly P. Hall, one of the most revered, high-ranking Freemasons of the last hundred years. Uh, highly, highly revered, this guy. Here's what he has to say. Symbolism is the language of the mysteries, meaning the, the mystery religions, essentially. By symbols, men have sought to communicate to each other those thoughts which transcend the limitations of language. Rejecting man-conceived dialects as inadequate and unworthy to perpetuate divine ideas. The mysteries thus chosen symbolism is a far more ingenious and ideal method of preserving their transcendental knowledge. In a single figure, a symbol may both reveal and conceal. For to the wise, the subject of the symbol is obvious, while to the ignorant, the figure remains inscrutable. End of quote. So see, these symbols, like everybody's walking around with $1 bills, okay? And, and, and they, most people don't have a clue about the symbology on the $1 bills. Well, to them, the occultists would view them as ignorant because they cannot decipher. They cannot, they don't know what's going on at all. Whereas somebody that's adept in the occult will be able to see this symbology and know exactly what's going on. Exactly if Satan's hoof prints are on something, essentially. Uh, and then they'll know, like when a Satanist can look at a Michael W. Smith album cover, for instance, or we're going to look at Third Day later, and they could say, oh my word, these stupid, I mean, they're going to say this, they're going to say these stupid, ignorant Christians, we've got occult symbology all over all their stuff, their, their supposed Christian um, albums and, and things, I mean, you can look at the, the New King James Bible where they have the Troy Quetra symbol, which is the triple Wiccan goddess symbol, and it's not the symbol of the tree. Yeah, it's the, the symbol of the pagan trinity, not 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 the uh, holy trinity. You can argue that all day long, but I mean, I we can so we, we will easily disprove that in in later parts of this study. Uh, there's so many things where Satan has his hoof prints all over so much of what we would consider Christian, and when he does that, he marks it as, as his own. And he corrupts it, and he leavens it, and he curses it in, in, a, in a certain way. I don't know how much, if you bring something like a, a triquetra symbol or a hexagram or things like this, uh, I think some things are more evil than others, but there are demonic attachments that you're bringing with you. I mean, and this would, this would go with the, 
the, these albums as well. You bring this stuff into your home. And you're bringing curses into your home. And the, and the occultists are just thinking this is hilarious. Because for the most part, they take their religion a lot more seriously than we do. They, they, they know the symbology. They're not ignorant of Satan's devices. They're immersed in them. But most Christians are ignorant of Satan's devices. So what happens? Then Satan gets an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.13. So that, that's what happens. And, and um, that's why Satan wants to keep Christians totally in ignorance about these types of things. So, next quote. This is from thesecretofmasons.com. And it says, All occult symbolism is in fact dualistic in meaning or interpretation. Meaning there's, it means two things at least, bare minimum. I heard there's... Uh, Albert Pike was saying there, there could be who knows how many meanings to a particular symbol. Um, so, all occult symbolism is in fact du- a dualistic in meaning or interpretation in that it has an exoteric or an outward meaning known to the masses and an esoteric or a hidden meaning known only to the elect few. Esoteric meaning like hidden knowledge, like that word Gnostic or Gnosis. You've heard Gnostic, Gnostics? You know, they're, they're seeking for this hidden knowledge, which most religions, if you boil it down, are all Gnostic in nature. Religions. Now, I'm not talking about true Bible-believing Christianity. Um, I'm not talking about that, okay? Because um, Jesus Christ isn't out here to try to trick you and to deceive you in these types of things. These other religions, they're, what they do, though, is they bring you in and they say, okay, we have the true path, we have the true light. And this, this includes a lot of religions that would call themselves Christians. Okay, but they all turn in, most of them will turn into some type of works-based type of thing where you're earning your way to heaven type of deal. Um, most of these other pseudo-Christian religions and cults and Hinduism and Buddhism, what they have is they have like entry level. And then you go further and further and further. And you acquire, you might attain more and more knowledge. Maybe you, maybe you might want to try to attain to their particular priesthood where you gain further Gnostic knowledge or occult knowledge. And then you keep going up the ranks until you acquire and acquire and acquire more and more and more. This hidden knowledge that supposedly you know, will give you further enlightenment and further uh, power and these types of things. That's the basis of witchcraft, essentially. When I think of that concept, I think of witchcraft. I mean, you look at the Freemasons, it's very um, similar to that. I mean, you, you start in at these lower ranks, and then you get up, and then when you get to like the 30th, 31st, and 33rd degree, then uh, it's only then when you're revealed certain things. And then you're sworn by blood oaths not to reveal them, you know. So, uh, at that point, you're so demonically infested anyway, most of the time, that... Um, there's just a lot of different reasons you're going to keep your mouth shut, most likely, at that level. And they do, I mean, <laughs> there's all kind of wicked stuff that goes on at the high levels. And just Freemasonry alone, you get into the Shriners, then, then you get into the, the other sect of the Freemasons called the Jesters. Ooh, I mean, we're talking some wicked stuff here. So anyway, going further, uh, ne- next quote, occultist Frederick Goodman in his book, Magical Symbols, page 101, says, the eye plays a most important part in occult symbolism and probably owes its origin in Western magical designs to the eye of Horus, which was one of the most frequently used Egyptian 
magical symbols. Next quote, another quote by Frederick Goodman. This is page 103 of Magic Symbols, um, his book Magic Symbols. He says, regarding, I guess, the Eye of Horus, The all-seeing eye originated in Egypt, in those satanic mysteries which God physically judged during the time of Moses. When he led the Israelites out of the land by the mighty hand of God, the all-seeing eye was representative of the um, um, omniscience of Horus, the sun god. End of quote. Here's the next quote. Albert Pike. Okay. Albert Pike, Masonic Grand Commander admitted. Now, Albert Pike was the guy that wrote Morals and Dogma, which was like the Bible of the modern-day Freemasons. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Freemasons have never read Morals and Dogma. So you might bring it up to them and they don't have a clue, because most Masons are clueless, particularly at the lower levels. If they only go into the first, second, or third degree, like in the Blue Lodge type of deal, they're, they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to have a clue about what we're talking about. I think at the higher levels, they would be more likely. But even in Morals and Dogma, there's two editions. There's an exoteric, which was given kind of like to the broad mass of maybe lower level Freemasons if they wanted to read it. And then the esoteric version of Morals and Dogma, which was the where you got the real deal, where they flat out let you know what really was going on, that the Freemason worships... Lucifer. And I mean, there's a, cha- a track that Chick made, that, they don't make it anymore though, up, um, where um, it's called The Curse of Baphomet. I think it was a little too hardcore because it had like the goat of Mendez or Baphomet on the cover. What I used to do is right in the middle of the booklet, I still do it, in fact I just did it the other day, um, right in the middle of the booklet, there's a staple, you know how they have little, the Chick tracks have booklets, and you, and you fold it over and right there is the quote from Albert Pike. Sovereign Grand Commander General of the of the Freemasons. He's the guy that started the Ku Klux Klan. He's the guy that was credited with the modern day revival of Freemasonry. He see Freemasonry was on the decline because they had they had killed some people because of blood oaths they had taken, and they had revealed secrets, and these secrets had gotten out, and then it got out that, that the Freemasons had killed these guys that had done it. So Freemasonry really was in kind of a free fall there for a while, I believe in the early 1800s. Albert Pike was the guy that was credited as to reviving modern-day Freemasonry. I mean, this guy, you see pictures of him, and it's like, wow, I have seen the face of Satan. I finally knew what he looks like. I mean, this guy is seriously evil-looking, okay? Um, It's like, you know, a mega, mega demonic version of Santa Claus. Anyway, so... um, what we're, what we're looking at here is Albert Pike started the Ku Klux Klan, wrote Morals and Dogma, was single-handedly credited with, with the revival of the modern-day Freemasonry, highest-ranking Freemason in the 1800s, uh, high-level, beyond-level adept occult mass. He was also a Confederate war general. And he was the only Confederate war general with a a statue to this day with inside the city limits of Washington, D.C. I mean, why would they have a statue of a Confederate war general inside the city limits of Washington, D.C.? Well, he's one of theirs. You know, you also have the the, um, the um, headquarters for North American Freemasonry, 13 blocks due north of, I believe, the Capitol building, 13, number of rebellion. Uh, you have that. Now, if you get riddles in stone through cutting edge... Or, or go watch it online. Um, Riddles and Stone, I believe, gets into this. All the occult 
architecture in Washington, D.C. I mean, Washington, D.C. is like, you talk about a demon, devil, fallen angel magnet. I mean, they've got every occult symbol and things that would attract devils and demons. I mean, this is what they do when you have all of these pentagrams and hexagrams and, and occult symbology and um, all-seeing eye of Lucifer. and uh, All of this stuff attracts evil stuff. That's why when, um, in, the, in the Old Testament in particular, when you would see God, they would go into pagan uh, places that had fell into idolatry. Or even the Jews when they had fallen into idolatry and, and, and then maybe a, a certain tribe of the Jews went in there to fight them. What God would always tell them to do would be to, to, to you know, usually what they do is they'd slay all the pagan priests. And they would, they would destroy their temples and they would also destroy the high places. The high places literally would be in places in these cities where they would literally be at an elevated height, wherever the highest part. And that's where they would go to do a lot of their most occultic high-level occultic ceremonies. And and that was pretty common. Well, you know, I, I kind of got off track there, but Albert Pike was a very, very high-level guy. And he wrote Morals and Dogma. And um, uh, also, the he wrote The Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. And on pages 15 and 16... Okay, I'm looking at this quote here. Pike was the sovereign grand commander of the Supreme Council, the 33rd degree, um, w- which was also called the Mother Council of the World. He was the supreme pontiff of the universal Freemasonry. Oh, they, these titles these guys give themselves, my word. I mean, when you talk about puffed up. Um, he was also the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, he was a great all-around guy. He was the life of every party. A lampshade on his head at every party. Just a wacky guy. Zany. Zany. No, just kidding. Sorry about that. But anyway, um, he was called... He called this all-seeing eye the Mao-Okio, which means evil eye. This object is regarded by all Satanists as the symbol of Lucifer. Okay, so I mean, you know, Albert Pike said that the all-seeing eye to the Egyptian initiates, okay, was the emblem of Osiris, the creator. Okay, so we get the sun god and all this garbage. Um, so I mean, you know, it's it's some it's some really 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 bad stuff here. Actually, I'm sorry. The other quote that I read you was from uh, Bill Schneblin, and he said the Maloki or the evil eye. This object is regarded by all Satanists as the symbol of Lucifer. Okay, so you know, right now we don't have a lot of glowing endorsements for. You know, this all-seeing eye thing. You know, I mean, I would say it would be a little suspect if, if you went into a church and saw it in whatever form you saw it in, whether it be in stained glass or whether it be whatever. I mean, no, most of the time, if it's occultic in nature, and if they're trying to kind of cover their tracks, they're going to do it in a very possibly obscure way. And that way they can say, well, it really doesn't mean that. It was just kind of an accident or whatever. But occultists are famous for doing that, as we covered last week. Uh, let's see here. As one Masonic book says, these considerations lead us to an interesting topic. The eye of the mind, or the eye of Horus, uh, in conveying the idea of the all-seeing eye, which also, then we could get into the whole symbology of the third eye, which is associated with the pineal gland in the head. And occultists, what they try to do when they get into occultism, which some do, is they try to achieve a level where they have their third eye opened. 
Okay, this is why Hindus wear those little dots in the middle of their forehead. It's symbolic of that. Okay, um, so when I found that out, I stopped wearing that dot on my forehead. I, I didn't know. No, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, so when when um when you have these occultists, okay, and and they're they're doing all this stuff, it, you know, it, it's not it's not an endorsement for for something that you need to be following here. Okay, so. What occultists will try to do is get their third eye opened, and that can only be done through various occult means. Now, I think some people might have that ability uh, occultically. They're they're so generationally, um, they have got a lot of generational curses, maybe a lot of witchcraft in their line. And some people are actually born uh, with, uh, from a witchcraft standpoint, more occult power than others. I think you've seen that theme in. If you've ever watched these movies of old where, oh, the, you know, this person had all this occult power and they didn't do anything to do it, but then they actually start exercising this power and they, they get more powerful. Well, the third eye is something that they try to attain to most of the time. And if you have your third eye open, what it essentially means is is it's like your spirit eye or your mind's eye. And you can literally see the spirit world around you. Many occultists from what I've read, can actually see devils and demons and these types of things. It's like they can see that other dimension that is actually the dimension that is more real that is around all of us. And by more real, I mean a million years from now, okay, this dimension, this physical plane that we're living in on planet Earth, that's going to be kind of irrelevant. The spirit lives on, though. You know what I mean? Either in heaven or hell, that type of thing. So why, that's why I say it's more relevant. Uh, it's more. It's more real. We don't see that battle going on around us. Remember, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood. You might think you're battling against flesh and blood, but actually, what it is is the demons and devils and evil entities that are behind the flesh and blood that you might be battling. Or it might be just a total battle like in, you know, you're on your knees in prayer or you're fasting or whatever um, and you're battling against entities that you can't see. But there is a battle, there is a struggle going on there. You don't have your third eye open. You're, you're not meant to, to have that open. Now, there's been times even in the Bible where people have been allowed to see the spirit realm uh, for brief periods of time. But, you know, if you're walking around seeing, you know, devils and demons and, and supposed angels or whatever all the time, if that's like your, like a lot of Pentecostals say they are. Trust me, I've been around enough of them. You know, I, I don't think that's, uh, I just don't see a whole lot of Bible for that. Uh, to, to be able to do it constantly. You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, I just kind of wanted to, to, to throw that in. But that is something that occultists will try to attain to. And they can actually see these things. And I've also heard that occultists can see if somebody's a real born-again Christian, if they've had their third eye open. And that if an occultist is walking down, like, a sidewalk, and he has somebody that he can see as a born-again Christian walking toward him, he'll go to the other side of the street to try to avoid it. I mean, a, a born-again Christian that I guess what you would say is on fire for God, really, really... You know, a, not a lukewarm one. Now, I don't know if that's true. Okay, I've read that. I've read it. It would kind of make sense if they have their third eye open. I mean, it would kind of make sense. So, anyway, um, those are things that are hard to verify, and I don't want to get too far off in left field there, but um, it, it is kind of an interesting concept. 
Uh, let's see here. So every, uh, everybody this week, let's try to get a third eye open so we can kind of, you know, delve into that. No, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, um, let's see here. Okay, so as one Masonic book says, these considerations lead us to an interesting topic, the eye of the mind or the eye of Horus, uh, conveying the idea of the all-seen eye. The, uh, the end set before the Egyptian neophyte was illumination. That is to be brought to the light. The religion of Egypt was the religion of light. Now that's a quote from the symbolism of the gods and the of the Egyptians and the light they throw on Freemasonry. Uh, page 5. So let's just read that again. These considerations lead us to an interesting topic. The eye of the eye of mind or the eye of Horus and conveying the idea of the all-seeing eye. The end set before the Egyptian neophyte was illumination that that is to be brought to the light. The neophyte meaning somebody that's like entry level. Now this is the exact same things that happens to the Freemasons when they take their blood oaths. One of the initiations they ask they ask to be brought out of darkness into light. And I heard I read this the other day where a guy had uh, I think it was in one of those chick tracks. It was, it was they got a new one on Freemasonry, and I was reading it. Um, I had a break and I I get those and I read them and. Um, because they send them to you if you get on their mailing list. and I, But, I mean, I, I order a whole bunch as well. But uh, it basically said something like, the, when the guy was witnessing to the Freemason, he said, did you realize that, that you've uh, blasphemed God? And the Freemason's like, what do you mean? And the guy said, well, the guy that was witnessed to him said, well, when you took, like, your third degree initiation, you asked to be brought, you, you basically said, I am in darkness and I want to be brought to the light. So, this guy was somebody that had called himself a born-again Bible-believing Christian, and yet was asking this uh, worshipful master in this Freemasonic occultic devil ceremony to be brought from darkness to light. Now, this is the light of Lucifer. You know, the light bearer. That's what his name means. The light bearer. Lucifer. So, you know... It was blasphemy against Jesus Christ. You've already, if you've been born again, you've already been brought to the light. Whereas if you're a Freemason, you ask this again, but it's not the God of the Bible. <laughs> no. <laughs> their, their God, if you get all the way to the 33rd degree, is called Jabulan. And, it, and it's this really B-rated, spider, yucky, weird thing. It's really stupid looking, I think. But anyway, that's their main god that if you get to the finally get to the light, you know, it's this B-rated spider creature. You know, kind of a letdown if you ask me. You know, I don't know. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's, it's craziness. So, in the mind of the occultist then, the use of the symbol is in its power to illuminate the neophyte, the unlearned, as to bring them to the religion of light. It's the religion of light. See, religion will get more people to hell than just about any other thing on the planet. Because most, almost everybody's got some kind of religion. Even people that say, I don't believe in God. Okay, well that's your religion. Or people that, people that say, well, I don't believe God would send me to hell. Okay, you've just created your own religion. That's what my parents had done for years. Okay? A lot of people do that. A lot of people get into that whole well, I don't believe this, and a loving God wouldn't do this and that and this. Oh, are you willing to bet your soul on that? Because that's what you're doing. You're risking your eternal soul on a notion that popped into your head. 
You need to go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God, the King James Bible in the English-speaking language, says about that. And you'll soon find out it's wrong. And um, if you're not saved, if you're listening to this, there's a link on the right side of my website. And I'm going to try to get it up to the top um, because we're revamping the website right now on uh, free gift, the free gift of salvation, the good news. You, you want to click on that and listen to that and get that thing settled. And um, there's some other teachings I'm going to list up there that you need to listen to after you listen to the first one. But anyway, and I send those out on my emails as well. All, all the newsletters that I'm putting out now have the salvation link and then one on baptism and then one on overcoming and then one on bearing the cross of Christ. It's kind of like the order that things need to go. So anyway, uh, not to say I've covered every single base, but uh, you know, it's hopefully most of it is in there. Okay, so uh, this was this actual religion of light that that these occultists are in reference to. So, which leads us then to the next question: What actually is this religion of light? Albert Albert Pike again writes in Morals and Dogma, the Masonic Bible, essentially, that Lucifer is the light bearer. Well, that's what his name means. Okay, so, so they're saying that it's on actually page 321, I, I believe, of Morals and Dogma regarding the teachings of the 19th degree. Because remember, there's 33 degrees, um, I believe, in the Scottish Rite and 32 in the York. There's different, there's different ways, okay, uh, in Freemasonry. And um, Lucifer is also refers to as the Angel of Light on page 5. 67 teachings of the 26th 6th degree. Yeah, just to confirm this, I just went up to Blue Letter Bible online, which is a good referencing tool. You know, just stick with the KJV one, the part, because there's different versions you can reference. But Lucifer only occurs, that word only occurs one time in the Bible. Okay, and it's Lucifer actually means light bearer. It's not something that Albert Pike thought up. It's actually what his name means. And then when he fell, he became Satan, essentially. Of course, the name's still used in a connotation with evil, but that's kind of the way it goes. Or it's also could be referred to as Shining One, Lucifer, the King of Babylon, the King of Satan, um, that type of thing. So that's the word um, Lucifer, which occurs, which this is a very significant verse. Um, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? So we know who we're talking about here. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now, interestingly enough, this verse, Isaiah 14, 12, is one of the many, many, many verses in the Bible which prove the King James Bible's total superiority over these New Age versions. All of the other New Age versions, virtually all of them, the vast, vast majority, will render this verse as, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, morning star? Not son of the morning, but morning star. Well, hold on. And then if uh, um, if you have an NIV reference Bible, it'll take you to the other place that morning star is used in the Bible, which I believe is in Revelation. And then you can get really confused thinking that Lucifer... And Jesus Christ are the same thing because Jesus Christ is referred to as, you know, the morning star. Revelation um, 
22.16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things into the churches, and I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So if you have an NIV reference Bible, and it says, O howth are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, morning star, they totally messed that up. Well, hey, when you got Bibles that are translated from from corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Synatic, or the, the uh, Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, which two high-level occultists translated in 1881 from those two corrupt Catholic manuscripts into the revised version of 1881, and then which virtually spawned all the other versions that we have today. When you have that dynamic going on, you're going to get a lot of corruption. You're going to get a lot of leaven. And um, the NIV Reference Bible will take you in uh, to Revelation 22:16, where the other the other use of the morning stars mentioned or the main use. It's mentioned. It's also mentioned in Revelation two twenty eight. Um, but in this particular, in Revelation twenty two sixteen, it's specifically in reference to Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. And somebody might start thinking, well, Lucifer and, or, and Jesus Christ are the same thing. If you have that Bible, even if you didn't have the reference Bible, if you, if you went and did keyword searches, you'd start coming to that conclusion. So, you know, God is not the author of confusion. You know, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And it's not, you know, 800 different versions or whatever, however many versions they've got now. I I believe it's way over 100. So, anyway, I wanted to just throw that in. So let's go further here. Um, In Egyptian, let's see, in Egyptian mythology, Horus is Lucifer, according to Bill Schneblin, former Satanist, and um, he wrote the book Masonry Beyond, Beyond the Light. He was a very, very high-level Mason. And so, in Egyptian mythology, Horus is Lucifer, the all-knowing eye of Horus. It's the same thing. Understanding the statements of these two experts quoted directly above, this, quote, religion of light emanating from ancient Egypt is nothing less than the outright worship of Lucifer. It was back then, it still is today. The reality is, um, that this religion is Luciferianism. And the predominant symbol for it is the Eye of Horus, a.k.a. Lucifer. Truly, this is a clear fact. The one eye is absolutely everywhere today, from corporate logos, to an unceasing bombardment in movies, and on television programs, and in commercials, on the television, clever camera angles, and partially shaded faces are used to endless, endlessly flash the one-eyed curse. If you watch for it, you will be astounded. Now, I'm looking at this Shadow Mountain Church of David Jeremiah, and I mean, this Lucifer thing, I mean, it's so flagrantly obvious in the background, and it's creepy looking, and it looks like this big stained glass window directly behind him, I mean, up elevated at the highest point of the church. It's, it would be like the focal point of the whole church. But I'm sure it's all innocent, good, clean, fun, you know. No harm done, right? David Jeremiah at his church at Shadow Mountain in California. It's a picture here we can show you. And then we get another picture of the Eye of Ra, just to let you know. And then we get another close up, closer up of this picture, of this eye-like figure behind him. And generally speaking, according to the quoted Masonic sources above, it is fair to say that in the society, the secret society, occultists are using the Eye of Horus in an effort to do what they would describe as illuminating the masses. 
as so as to bring them to the religion of light. Isn't that what the central theme of almost all of my studies ends up tend to be? Because what is this about? It's about the New World Order trying to be implemented. It's trying to bring us from an occultic standpoint, from a Luciferic standpoint, from the age of Pisces into the dawning of the age of Aquarius. If you remember that old song. Into the age where the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to make their entrance. And um, this is what the New Agers and the occultists and the Luciferians and, and these types of people are actively trying to do. And they're trying to indoctrinate the masses in order to prepare the way for this. And these, the symbolism is a big part of that, evidently, to them. It seems kind of stupid in a way, but it's a big part of it to them because I believe they know the types of demonic delusion and curses they're putting upon people through this symbology. And a lot of it's not just curses, but a lot of it's just blinding. It's 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 um, blinding people to the truth. So, going further here, uh, let's see here. Much more an, A much more accurate thing to say, though, and the truth of the matter is that their minds, in their minds, it is literally to cast a spell on the ignorant masses, subliminally flooding their subconscious minds with the power of their symbol for the purposes of preparing the world for the arrival of Antichrist. He just kind of restated what I already said. And, and I get so many people saying, um, oh, I, I'm sorry if you hear the little birdie, we got a chimney right here and little birdies over there kind of chirping away. But um, uh, we've got a, a society where you try to reach people and, you know, I have people all the time saying, nobody, you know, you tell people this type of information like what we're getting into today and they just give you that blank stare or, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist or you're a nutcase or I want to get away from you or whatever reaction they end up getting they they have no they really don't have any true love for for the truth um if it doesn't fit their paradigm these are people that have been blinded these are people that are 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 actually have succumbed many times i believe not every i'm not saying everybody but many times they have succumbed to the strong delusion that god said he was going to send in second thessalonians chapter 2 for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And that's said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where we're talking about the literal falling away or apostasy of the church and the arrival of the Antichrist, which is what we were just talking about. So we're in that time period right now. We should be expecting this. We should be on guard for this. As Jesus said, be not deceived regarding the end times in Matthew 24. Okay, so this is something we should be looking out for. Most people are totally asleep, though, on these levels. If they go to a standard church or if they watch, you know, TV, whatever, church, evangelism, sky angel, whatever they're watching, they're not being prepared for the grand delusion that's coming. You know, they're being... They're, they're being um, set up for it. They're not being prepared. For the most part, not saying everyone, but for the most part, that's what's going on. And that's why people are so hard to reach. Really, you know, trying to reach people with this type of information, a lot of times, I would have to say that um, prayer and fasting would, would really need to go along with it. 
Um, because a lot of times to break through, that's what has to happen. So, let's go further here. Uh, back to the original question. Why is David Jeremiah preaching this, his message from under a Luciferian all-seeing eye and broadcasting it across the globe? First uh, John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The Bible says, you, by their fruits you shall know them. Okay, that's not really a good fruit when I see an all-seeing eye of Lucifer behind David Jeremiah in his pulpit. Another problem is the horn hand or the El Cornudo or the Mano Cornudo sign, which I've done a whole study on that one, and it is widely known as the Satanic Salute of Recognition. It is not a normative position for the human hand. The hand does not naturally take this position. It is no more of a normal hand position than it is universally recognized sign of flipping the bird. It has to be consciously formed. Many people obviously do this without any intent of showing. Uh, many people obviously do this without any intent of showing any willful allegiance to the devil. To them, it is basically party on, dude. Um, quote party on, dude. Regardless of that, many from rock stars to high-ranking politicians to wealthy celebrities use the horde hand sign knowingly as a semi-secret sign. To each other. It's basically Hail Satan, is what it means. I mean, if you look at the back cover of the Satanic Bible that Aleister Crowley wrote, I believe he released the Satanic Bible in 1969, started the Satanic Church on Beltane, 1966, which was the first day of the, um, which was the same day that the Illuminati was formed, and um, a very, very high Satanic holiday, Beltane in 1776 that we just talked about. Anyway, so Aleister Crowley, on the back of the Satanic Bible, if you look at there, he's he's there, and he's got kind of his hands kind of semi-folded, and, and, and he's doing a Cornudo sign over the one hand. He's, it's, a, it's kind of a subtle one, but he's doing it. So, um, here we have a picture of David Jeremiah in the pulpit doing a Cornudo sign. I mean, it's real obvious. It's a real nice, clear picture. So, regardless of that, many from rock stars to high-ranking politicians use the horn hand sign to communicate with each other and as a recognition of the source of their power. A Google of the, quote, term horned hand will provide ample evidence for any who want to investigate the matter further. Or you can go up to my site, my website, contendingfortruth.com, and key in um, hook'em horns, horn hand, cornudo sign, and you'll find that teaching. Uh, here's the next question, and while it's not really a pleasant one to have, consider at the same time taking everything into consideration, particularly with the all-knowing eye in his the back of his church in stained glass and this gigantic panel that he's got back there. Uh, it is a fair question. Is David Jeremiah preaching here from under the watchful gaze of the all-seeing eye of the New World Order Antichrist as this sequence of photos shows clip from this video making the horn hand sign signal, you're going to have to be the judge. But again, it's... <laughs> It's sure not fleeing all appearance of evil. The Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay? He's not doing that here. The guy's got flashing cornudo signs preaching under the all-knowing eye of Lucifer. Oh, it's just all innocent, good, clean, fun. Now come on. We, we mustn't judge. Well, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. And we're supposed to judge those that are within the church. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And it was a matter that hadn't been judged, where a man had taken his father's wife, 
his father's wife to actually marry. And the Bible says, and you're puffed up, and you glory in your shame. Paul says, I have judged this matter already. And then he says, turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. I've done a whole teaching on that uh, concept, turning such a one over to Satan. Well, because this is not being done in the churches, because there is no judgment going on, uh, there's no spiritual judgment, and I don't mean hypocritical, like when you have a beam in your own eye and you judge the speck in your brothers, that's hypocritical. That's the kind of judgment that Jesus Christ doesn't want. But Jesus Christ uh, said, judge righteous judgment. You know, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's something we should always be doing is judging ourselves. Um, kind of trying to keep yourself in line to the Lord, you know. I mean, but obviously you don't want to just go through life thinking, well, I'm a pretty, I'm an awesome person, I'm a pretty good person, and I, I've got it, I'm better than that guy. And that's not your standard. The Bible's your standard. So, anyway, um, because there's no judgment that's went on in the church, this kind of stuff is commonplace. This is, this is the state of affairs in modern day pseudo-Christianity where you've got all kind of occult symbolism going on in the churches. Most, I really truly believe that most of these people are occultists, Luciferians. Uh, if you were Satan, where would you preposition your troops to do the most damage? Would you do it at the lowest ranks in the church? Somebody that doesn't want to, you know, yeah, I'm sure he'll try to influence them, but wouldn't you want to go to the top of the food chain where that person is going to, I mean, we looked at that Kenneth Copeland thing last week. The, the guy is pure evil. And, I mean, we've got him, and, and, and he's able to influence his whole, this whole band of believers that follow him. You know, he's able to do a lot more damage, a lot more uh, damage on, on Lucifer's part than somebody at a lower level. I mean, it's just common sense. So anyway, let's go further. Below is Rick Warren from Saddleback Church also located in California, and a friend of David Jeremiah, the man that we just talked about. And here's a here's a picture of Rick Warren with Obama, and they're having a good laugh together. Probably all the people that they're going to try to send to hell. Um, and then here's another picture of Rick Warren and um, Barack Hussein Obama, or Barry Sotoro. Um There are dozens, if not hundreds, of corporate logos which present modified versions of the all-seeing eye also referred to as the Eye of Ra or the Eye of Horus. Below are some more examples. Um, and, and again, I give you all the pictures here in the PDF. One of them is America Online. I mean, it's a it's a eye-like symbol in a pyramid. I don't use, I don't advise anybody use America Online as their internet email or whatever. I, I, I've always stayed away from them. Um, Time Warner also uh, has a... Uh, Eye symbol, Time Warner cable. Uh, this is depicted as the Eye of Ra by virtue of that. Um, uh, then there's Icon Entertainment and Lucas Art uh, are examples of the Eye Triangle combo of the All Seeing Eye. These are two logos. Also give you a good idea of the subtle, one could even say sneaky modifications that are often incorporated in an apparent attempt to disguise a symbol. You know, they're they're trying to disguise this stuff. So, just because something's not flagrantly obvious, as obvious as it would be, like, I guess, on the back of our, our dollar bill, that's about as flagrant as you could get. Um, 
Just because something's not so flagrantly obvious doesn't mean it's not occultic. doesn't mean it's not evil. They're devices of Satan that we're not to be ignorant of, but that the vast majority are ignorant of. Uh, so that he goes on to say, by that I mean notice that the two logos, the icon and the Lucas art, how in both instances the eye is rather slyly tilted into the corner to create a rough approximation of a triangle-eye combination. Also notice the visual misdirection of the Lucas art logo, whereby the stick figure man with the uplifted arms is all that most people will ever notice, but there is an eye in there, and it's real obvious if you look at it. Don't be so quick, by the way, to dismiss these symbol displays in various corporate logos as, quote, nothing. As a Bible believer and as some someone who should attempt to discern the world around you, even at this early stage of examination, consider the possibility of a connection between the rich and the powerful of this world and the Satan himself. Follow along in the reading through this information, and I believe you will begin to realize and understand the full significance of these things. Again, you're going to see a wide variety of modifications with these occult symbols. That's something that you have to understand. There's a wide variety. It's not like, okay, here's the cookie-cutter way we, all, we, we Satanists always do it, and we're going to make sure we only present the broad masses the cookie-cutter way. That's not, the way they, that's not the way Satan works. I mean, Satan... You know, was referred to in his first appearance in the Bible as the most subtle beast of the field. He deceives through subtlety most of the time. He's very low-key. So, that's something we should be expecting. This sort of thing is considered par for the course in the occult world. After all, the very word occult means secret or hidden. Also, the word Gnostic means that. Hidden knowledge. It's always going to be hidden. It has that exoteric, outward Meaning where they could say, see, an occultist will fall back on the exoteric meaning. Oh, it just means this. Where in reality, it also has an esoteric meaning that is the true meaning of the symbol, and that esoteric may have several layers, which is where we where the rubber truly meets the road. But they can always, through plausible deniability, deny that. Oh, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> that's what. That's how this whole thing goes. Okay, so let's go further here. The objective of any true occultist is to disguise and to hide his occultic affiliation. That's his objective, is to hide this. Not to make it flagrantly obvious to you, you know, if you're a Christian or, or the broad masses or whoever they would refer to us as, the sheeple people. Mm -mm, he wants it to remain hidden. That's part of the things that they revel in. Oh, it is hidden. They don't have a clue. You know, that type of thing. Having said that, the following Michael W. Smith covers quite troubling. Now, we're finally getting back to Michael W. Smith. The title of this particular Smith uh, album is called Eye to Eye. Now, I'm sure that it's, it's all innocent, particularly considering all the other things we've looked at regarding Michael W. Smith. It's all just one big coincidence. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if it was just like one thing on one album, ah, uh, you know... You're making a mountain out of a molehill. But, you know, when you can document over and over and over again all these occultically significant things taking place within lyrics, on album covers, within their, you know, it's kind of, and we're, we're just getting warmed up here. So, I'm looking at this album cover, and I give you a nice picture of it here. Michael W. Smith, Eye to Eye. And it's a picture of him, kind of a GQ pose, um... Michael W. Smith. Notice in the background a shaded triangle sideways. It's a pyramid coming out sideways through this picture. Um, 
and it's behind Smith's photo. And at one corner of the triangle, there is a little, there is the title in red with letters I to I. It's actually at the top of the pyramid, which is where the I would be. Think about it. When you, when you see like the unfinished capstone on the back of the dollar bill, where's the eye? The eye is at the top of the pyramid, the all-knowing eye of Lucifer. He is the one that's at the top of the food chain, essentially. Fallen angels underneath him, demons and devils underneath him, and then their human hierarchy. However that whole system works out, I've seen all kind of ways where people rank occultically where people are. Okay, there's a lot of different theories about that. But I mean... <laughs> Here at the top of the pyramid, it's the, it's this I, meaning the, the letter I. It's, it's kind of cryptic, which is also very symbolic of occultic things. Remember, they're always wanting to hide their intentions. I, and then the number two, and then the word I in parentheses. I to I at the top of the pyramid. Okay. Pyramid plus I equals Illuminati, Ra, Horus, Lucifer. Okay, essentially that's what we're talking about here. Granted, this I-triangle occult symbol is being presented in a coded fashion. But that, I believe, only makes this even more ominous. By itself, we might brush this CD cover off as coincidental, but in context, having previously observed all the other occult symbolism on his albums, this becomes very significant. I have also wondered why the bottom part of the photo has been torn off. Now remember, too, he's a big Alan Parsons Project fan one of the most satanic rock bands that's ever been. Most, I mean, some of the most occultic lyrics. I mean, I, I showed you their, their album, and the one was entitled Lucifer. And then the eye in the sky, with the all-knowing eye of Ra right on the cover. And here he's got, again, seemingly a similar theme. And then he has an album cover that says Michael... Um, uh, the, the Michael W. Smith project, like the Alan Parsons project. You see all these parallels between the satanic rock band that he has openly endorsed and his own album covers. You know? Um, by itself, we might brush this off as coincidental, but in context, having previously observed the other occult symbolism, this becomes very significant. I, and then he goes on to say, I've also wondered why the bottom part of the photo has been torn off and what that missing portion might reveal since it was obviously a deliberate tear. I mean, it's a photo that's been torn at the bottom. And it's would if, if it was there, it would be concealing, you know, and I hate to say this, but it would be, it was torn off right above the crotch area. So, I don't know. I don't know, but it is kind of weird. It's, it's like this real nice album cover. Everything's nice and neat and perfect, and there's there's this literal tear. I mean, this big, ugly tear of the photo on the bottom. Very weird, you know? But remember, this is all about occult symbolism, and hopefully we've proven that to you by now, that this guy is an occultist. He's most likely a closet Satanist. So everything about these album covers has significance occultically. Uh, don't expect him to ever fess up to this. But anyway, um, let's see here. Let's go further here. Below, for additional comparison to Smith's CD, is yet another example of the Eye of Raw in a triangle setting. 
Uh, again, we, we, he gives you a picture there. It's, it's a pyramid with the eye of Ra on it and some pentacles. Nin. And then, by the way, while we're on the subject of eyes, which have been depicted tilting subtly into a corner for the purpose of creating an approximated angle triangle eye presentation, notice again on another one of Michael W. Smith's albums called The Big Picture. Now, before we get to that, there's two pictures here also of Earth, Wind, and Fire, which is an extremely occultic rock group. And they've got the all-knowing eye of Horus on top of a pyramid with the scarab uh, beetle wings out to the side and then an Egyptian cross called an Ankh and all this other occult symbology. And then another one of their albums where they've got all this other hexagram, one of the most highest things in witchcraft, an Ankh a Caduceus symbol, all this occult symbology on Earth, Wind, and Fire album covers. Anyway, they're just doing that as a comparison. Okay, so now, getting back to now, notice again, Smith's 1986 album, The Big Picture. This time, this is the front side of the album. And it's this kid, this boy, looking through the bottom of a picture frame without a picture in it, but I guess he's part of the picture. And he's got, and it looks like there's a, one horn, it's, but it's in the background of him, but it's portrayed as a horn coming out of the right side of his head. It looks like he's got one horn. And his face, the left eye is shaded, darkened by a shadow, and the, the light is shining on the right side of his face, and that right side is right at the corner of this picture frame which would approximate, again, an eye and a triangle together, which is how occultists do things. Also, the writing in Michael W. Smith on this particular album cover, we have the same two runes. Remember we talked about the runes last week, the occultic runes? It's spelled the same way, with the M and the T in Michael W. Smith, well, the M in Michael and the T in Smith, in an occultic rune which means Tyre, the sky god. Those two runes, if you put them together, means Tyre, the sky god, over mankind. Which is also the same thing on his Christmas album cover, where he's portraying the same two runes. He Literally, he's making the rune Tyre with his body on the Christmas cover, and the, and the um, chair that he's standing on has the other rune, the occultic M rune on there, which means... Tire the sky god over mankind, meaning basically like Lucifer over mankind. It's very, very weird looking. But it's all our imaginations. Just remember, we're just all fuddy-duddies. Anyway, notice the use of the same runic letter as on the other album covers. Also, there appears to be a horn coming out of the child's right skull. I mean, that's always a good sign. I mean, you know, a horned kid. What's not to like about that? Anyway, also notice how the one one of the child's eyes has been obscured in the shadow and how the remaining eye has been positioned in one of the corners of the picture frame like many of the occultic pyramid eye examples listed above. That's reinstating what I already told you, but just to reiterate. I mean, this is some occultic stuff. That, that album cover just looks flat out evil. I mean, there's something really wrong there when you see that. It's like, well, come on. I mean, this, this just isn't innocence here. Let's go ahead. Um, we're going to shift gears here now. And we're going to go into the infinity symbol, um, which is also uh, displayed, I believe, with Michael W. Smith and some other groups. But since we're going to be shifting gears into that, let's go ahead and stop part one here, and we'll go to part two next. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, 
please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N at the letter I, the letter X, dot N-E-T-C-O-M dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.